Hello, I'm Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson & Terry Recruitment. I'm Mike Foster, the entrepreneur's mentor. And you are listening to an edited version of Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike, uh, which airs every Sunday at 11am on DAB Digital Radio across Oxfordshire and online at getradio.co.uk. And our show introduces you to local trusted experts, whilst we also talk about topics that you, the listeners, tell us is impacting on local businesses and their owners. For copyright reasons, we cannot play the songs mentioned in the show. Uh, but for more info and business wrench related content, please do head over to getradio.co.uk. I definitely recommend it. Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Good morning. Happy Sunday. This is Get Radio and welcome to the Business Brunch with Better Mike. My name is Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson & Terry Recruitment and indeed the Oxford Business Community Network. And my name is Mike Foster, the entrepreneur's mentor and also the head of marketing and events at Headway Oxfordshire. Now, our show introduces you to local trusted experts, whilst we also discuss topical issues that we know are impacting on local businesses. And this is always a topic that we discuss quite often because we think it's important about people, and particularly business owners, planning for later life. So on today's show, we look forward to welcoming our three guests, who are Peter Yearlin of Point to Point Financial Management, Ali Eilot of Heritage Estate Planning, and Phil Colmer of Strata. Ben, my usual question for yourself to kick off, what's, what should business owners really be considering in terms of their wealth and later life planning? As always, Mike, that's a great question. Um, and we'll be discussing this with the three experts um, over the next hour. We're going to be talking about their experience and their expertise in this area. But hopefully, um, you, the listener, by the end of the show, will have lots and lots of reading to do um, off, off the back of the great insight that I'm sure Peter, Ali and Phil are going to share. This is the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. We'll be welcoming our three guests after this. Get Radio. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Um, today, um, we're talking all about wealth and later life planning considerations for you, the business owners. Um, so let's start by introducing our three experts um, who will introduce themselves and their business. Um, so let's start. Peter, um, please introduce yourself and indeed your business. Good morning, everybody. Um, my name is Pete Yearling from Point to Point Financial Management. What does my business do? Well, I tend to concentrate on the corporate arena and focus on four key areas. Those four key areas are as follows. So what do you do about keeping control of the business? What do you do about protecting business profits? What do you do about the recruitment and retention of staff? Where does somebody work for you? And finally, what do you do about maximizing the tax release available through the business? So no doubt we'll touch on some of those points a wee bit later, Ben. Amazing. No, thanks so much for joining us. Um, similarly, um, Ali, um, please do tell the listeners all about you and indeed your business. Hi, thanks very much, Ben. So my name is Ali Eilot and I run a company called Heritage Estate Planning and we specialise in helping people make wills, lasting power um, and trusts. And particularly around business owners, it's really looking at how they can leave their business most tax efficiently and effectively to either family members or beneficiaries of their choice. And during lifetime, really making sure that they've got um, documents called lasting power of attorney in place to make sure that their businesses can continue to run um, if they lose mental capacity or are otherwise not able to make decisions in their own business. Amazing. No, thank you so much. Um, and last but certainly not least, uh, Phil, um, please introduce yourself um, to the listeners. Hi, Ben. Thank you. Um, good morning, everyone. So my name is Phil Colmer uh, from Strata Accountants and Business Advisors. Um, we see ourselves very much as growth partners for businesses and business owners. Um, the plan is to help them grow, help them succeed, and then essentially help them exit the business. So for us, our ideal client is one we can take along a journey 
uh, and get them to the point where they're not, they're not with us forever. They're with us to a point of exit and a, and a point of wealth. Um, and that's kind of where we, we like to see ourselves fitting in. Amazing. Perfect. Um, Phil, you've got the short straw. I'm going to stay with you, um, if that's okay. Um, and you're going to have the hard question first. So um, all of you have chosen a song for, for the listeners this morning. So Phil, start with you. What is your song choice and why have you picked it? Yes, yeah, it's always difficult, isn't it, saying pick, pick one song, because I think if you ask me on a different day, it would it'd potentially change uh, day by day. But I, I tend to choose songs that generally put me in a good mood. Um, so for me, it's um, Sam Fender, uh, 17 Going Under is my song. Oxfordshire Station gets radio. Welcome back to the Business Brunch here with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Now, before that song chosen by Phil, we were listening to our guest's introduction. So you knew a little bit more about our experts in the room today. And we're going to be talking about wealth and later life planning. So really to kick this round table off then, Pete, let's come over to yourself and say, okay, we listed a few things that you cover. What's that number one thing to kick us off with that we should be sort of considering as business owners? Okay. I suppose the first thing that I mentioned was sort of keeping control of the business. Um, what What I mean by that, Mike, is if a good analogy to, to, to look at would be if you and I are in business together and God forbid something happened to one of us, I'll, mm. I'll kill myself off. Um, I don't turn up for work tomorrow. and We know that the business is worth, let's say, a million pounds. The question is, what happens to my shareholding in the event of my death? Now, ordinarily, under my will, unless I've spoken to Ali, of course, um, the assets would pass across or the, the shares would pass across to my wife. She has no idea of how the business runs. She's got no expertise and she could sort of drain you dry through just drawing dividends. So the most sensible place for those shares to come back to is the remaining director, i.e. you. Um, but you have certain questions that you perhaps need to ask yourself at that stage in, number one, how do those shares come back to me tax efficiently? Number two, um, and probably most important, how do I buy those shares from Pete's wife um, in the most tax-efficient manner? So what we do is we put in place, uh, if you like, a business will alongside Ali, shareholder protection, which basically puts the money in the right hands at the right time in the most tax-efficient manner. No, great, great way to start the roundtable. I'm um, continuing with that word will. Um, I I have to confess, um, I'm a massive fan of a program that my grandparents used to watch, Air Hunters. Um, and the amount of people who die without a will is absolutely incredible. So can we just go really back to basics, Ali? Um, why should you have a will? Well, it's really important that the wishes that you have are written down somewhere so that they actually happen when you die. Because without um, a will that you've personally written, you will have a will. Um, it's just one that's dictated by the government. So um, it's governed by the law of intestacy. And that is basically a flowchart that the government have put together, which dictates where your assets will go. So very, very simply, if you're married, it will go to your spouse primarily. The, the bulk of your estate will go to your spouse. If you have children... And, and you're married, the bulk goes to the spouse and the children end up with 50% of, of X amount over, over the amount that goes to the spouse. And that's where it stops. But if you're, if you're not married and you don't have children, it starts to go up to parents and then across to siblings and then across to different members of the family until eventually it will get to the treasury. So you've got a will whether you make one or not. It's just really important that your wishes, your personal wishes and the people that are important in your life benefit from what you've worked really hard 
to build up throughout your life. So in simple terms, that's why it's important. Fantastic. I like that insight. So Phil, you're on the ground talking to many business owners. So do you want to build on any of those points from, from Peter Ali about you know experiences you've seen and how you're supporting your clients in that way? Yeah, I think there's there's horror stories everywhere, isn't there? So I think the the lack of a will or lack of um, people people knowing what happens when someone dies, you know, the person that's dying is actually in the best position in a way because they don't have to deal with the mess they leave behind. Um, but the picking on the the stuff that Pete said, I think there's two points to me for the kind of later life wealth planning. One is what can you do right now, and that is the the income protections, the um, shareholder protection, all the, all the kind of things that you, you really should be speaking to an IFA about and, and getting those things uh, in place. Um, but then I think there's the there's the actual planning for your business. And actually, what do you want to get out of that? You know, what is your five-year plan, your 10-year plan, and what's your exit strategy? Um, and those things are much more, uh, they're longer. They're not, they're not things that you can fix today, but they're things that you definitely need to consider um, to, to get to where you want to get to. No, thank thanks so much for that. Um, just just move moving on um, to you, Peter, for, from a point Phil Phil made there in terms of exit strategy. Um, can can your pension be your exit strategy? So so in terms of you've got a limited company, you run a business, and and can your exit strategy be not to sell the business and build up a pension through your business? Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think it's the only thing that you should be putting your money into, not just from a business perspective, but from a, a personal perspective. So. You know, whilst we're working, we're in accumulation stage where we're trying to create wealth. Mm. Um, but you need to look at different tax wrappers to enable you to have an efficient retirement to do that. What does that mean? So I come to retirement. I don't necessarily draw all of my money from my pension because that can be passed on to future generations. So if I have other tax efficient vehicles that I can use, such as ISAs, that I can switch an income tap on tax-free. So yeah, different income streams from different tax-efficient vehicles to mitigate the tax when you come to retirement. One of the things I'm always curious about, Ali, is that, you know, and one of the reasons we're keen to to run this um, topic on the show every so often is because I find people leave it too late. You know, they start thinking about a will when the will's just about to be sort of needed, if you like. Um, you mentioned about lasting power of tennis. So, so tell us a little bit more about, you know, what is too late in terms of things like incapacity, et cetera. Yeah, it can be really difficult. And it's one of the most upsetting parts of my job, really, I think, when you get the calls um, about either someone's parent or relative or whatever that, you know, is is has been diagnosed with something and um, they want to make a will and then I'll go and see them. And um, if I've got any doubt as to their mental capacity, we would be um, arranging for an independent um, assessment of, of their mental capacity because they that's one of the rules around doing anything um, like wills or power of attorney. You have to have mental capacity really to protect, you know, to protect the person. Um, and sometimes it is too late. And then it's really it's really upsetting for the family. So, as I say, we've all got a will, whether we personally write one or not. So if they've not been able to write a will in lifetime, um, what happens will be dictated by the state. In terms of power of attorney, that's more traumatic, I think, for the family members because um, in the event of losing capacity altogether and needing to, I don't know, manage bills or um, paying for care or arranging care or anything like that, unless there's a, an appointed legal person through a power of attorney, um, the family members would need to apply to the court of protection to become a deputy, which takes months and months and is so costly and so restrictive 
And having seen a lot of families on on that side of the fence where they've had to do that, it's heartbreaking. So I talk to people, whether they're 20 or 80, about all these things, because you just never know. Without a crystal ball, none of us know what's around the corner. Um, Phil, one of the things that I, th- I think one of the very sad things that came out of the pandemic, um, and there was a very, very long list, um, was certainly a lot of previously very profitable businesses went went under because the whole landscape changed. Um, I appreciate COVID has happened once and will never happen again. But but what would be your advice um, under the remit of protecting your business and making your business resilient, I guess, to protect your business assets, but indeed your own? Yeah, I, th- I think the, the primary thing is is to know your numbers. I think you need up-to-date, timely and accurate information because what that then allows you to do is identify when downturns happen. I think a lot of the businesses that struggled were ones that were either putting their head in the sand and, and ignoring the situation or just weren't aware of it. Um, and then, you know, if you're still in a position where you're not having monthly figures that you're reviewing alongside a budget and a forecast, um, you're not going to know what position you're in and you're not going to be able to, to make the changes and cutbacks and, and adjustments you need to to survive. Um, so I think just having that that quality management information uh, frequently and, and and understanding and using it properly. Yeah, that's really good because that was the next question I was thinking about actually for yourself, Pete, because I think the numbers are important and I'm sure you see it all the time is that yeah, people perhaps once you've had a conversation with them know the importance of putting all this in place that we're talking about, but they go, I can't afford it. Mm. And you know, can you afford it not to have it versus can you afford it to put it in place, for example. So how do, how do you sort of have those sort of conversations with your clients about affordability and versus risk? Well, it's a good question. And just sort of touching on Ben's point with, with Phil very briefly, um, some of the largest concerns that we're coming across are um, businesses recovering from, from COVID, number one. You know, there's still issues out there. Um, 18% of the sort of marketplace on a recent survey by LNG said, you know, they're concerned about staying in business with everything that's going on in the economy at the moment. 13% actually say, you know, there's a there's a massive risk of another pandemic. Will there be one? How are we going to be impacted on that? And lastly, it's maintaining business profits. So, Mike, to answer your question, can you afford it or can you afford not to, to, to do something? Um, yeah, the death of an owner. Um, it's, it's understanding the impact that has. So you can't afford not to ignore it, really. We speak about the risk to the business and you need to assess the, the cost of that versus the risk to the business of perhaps going under. Um, so it's the key individuals within the business that we need to look at. No, really, really great point there, Peter. Thank you. Um, I think it is time for another really tough question. Um, and Ali, you're up next. Um, so you have also chosen a song for our listeners this morning. What is your song choice and why have you picked it? As Phil said, this was really tough and it would definitely have depended on what day you asked me. But um, I think the one that was resonating for me this morning was David Bowie and Heroes. Introducing you to local trusted experts. This is The Business Brunch, sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Before that great song chosen by Ali, we've been speaking with our three experts really about how you, the business owner, can protect your wealth, um, can protect your assets and, and really kind of plan, plan for the future. 
Um, so, Ali, I, ju- I just want to um, come across across to you, um, if that's OK, and, and really, really talk about, I guess, what should we be considering for the people around us? Um, so I always think it's quite a difficult conversation sometimes to talk to colleagues or business partners or family ab- about finances and money. Sometimes it's seen, it, seen as the dirty word. So I guess what would be your advice in terms of with our love words about bringing up subjects like Larson's powers of attorneys, wills, estates, et cetera, et cetera? It's a really good question, isn't it? Um, a, a lot of people are very guarded about their finances and it can be a generational thing. Um, that's one thing. I, I find with a lot of people that I speak to, if they've encountered some kind of problem or something with a family member or they know a close friend who's on, undergone something where you know someone's died suddenly or doesn't have a document in place when needed – that makes it an awful lot easier to bring these conversations to the fore because they've been personally impacted it in some way and they think, oh, I don't want to go through that or I don't want to put my loved ones through that. So I, I, it's, it's a really difficult one to know how to bring it up in the first place. But I think if we can just all be more honest with each other and the people that are close to us, that's the best thing. It always comes from a place of care and love. Um, and if it's being brought up you know, on, on that basis... Um, sometimes just a slow approach to it, just gently mentioning it until until that person feels open um, and, you know, wanting to speak about it. I quite often get calls from family members saying, I've got this friend or family member that really doesn't want to speak about a particular thing. And I'm really experienced at talking to all sorts of people about it. So I'll happily go and see them and do a free consultation, either um, you know via via Zoom or Teams or physically in person, and try and put you know their mind at rest, answer all their questions before they start moving forward to actually getting documents drawn up. And often that can help as well. Mm. Brilliant, Phil. I want to pick up on something you said in your your introduction about this point of wealth. Um, that you help your clients as uh, as growth partners to achieve, because I guess if we're going to engage someone like Peter to say, okay, we need a level of insurance, or you know, we've got a a state that we're going to ask Ali to to help us divide, we need to know you know what what that state's literally aim um, valued at, but also what we're what we're aiming for. So, as a growth partner, how do you help your clients to identify what it is that they need in terms of their point of wealth or you know that exit value? Yeah, I mean uh, that's obviously completely individual isn't it it depends on what what people as an individual are comfortable with when they retire and um, you know our our aim is to try and maximize that figure to, to the biggest number and um, because ultimately that's that's what m- most people tend to tend to want um but i think the going back to something ben mentioned earlier about uh, about the pensions and whether actually pension could be your your exit strategy i think i think it could it does depend on the uh what what that owner wants to do you know if it's do they want to grow a business do they want a team under them or do they just want to essentially have a small business tick over make good money while they're doing it and, and exit with a pension that that keeps them happy in retirement um, and either of those is absolutely fine and for us obviously we're kind of more designed to to help those that, that want to put that team in place and want to go down that route um because we think there's there's more value in in what we can add at that point um but yeah i, th- I think that comes down completely to the individual in, in what number they want to get to. Uh, and that's knowing how they live, what they what their expenses are, you know, what kind of house they're in, all that kind of stuff is is completely individual. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Um, Peter, um, I'm going to ask you um, a little bit, uh, I guess, another bit of a crystal ball question, really. But but maybe you can give um, some some insight on this is. Um, so I'm 30, 33, um, very tough paper round, unfortunately. Um, and 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 I'm I'm, you know, really shocked that most of my mates don't have pensions, um, maybe a company pension, but but they don't have pensions. And I know from from conversations with with financial advisors and, and I'm, I'm really interested in the topic that actually you're probably leaving it a little bit late once you go get, get to that 40 age and the sooner that is the better can you give the listeners anything around when should you be starting or if you have left it too late how how you can fix that well we're talking about businesses ben here so i, I, I think you you need to sort of go away from the the terminology pension mm-hmm. and think of it as a tax planning tool so you know if you're a limited company and you're making good profits at the end of the year the objective is to try and sort of mitigate the corporation tax. And one way of doing that is to pay uh, pension contributions, whether that's on a regular or a single contribution at the end of the, the, the tax year. Um, you know, any contribution is tax deductible from a corporation viewpoint, uh, corporation tax viewpoint. So, you know, previously 19%, moving forward 25%, depending on the profit that, you, that you're making. It's massive from a tax planning perspective. And it, it also gives you flexibility in terms of, you know, how you can come to retire. Do you draw from the pension? Do you sell your business? Get your entrepreneurs relief through the business. Um, but then the capital goes back into your estate and could be subject to inheritance tax. So there's all sorts of planning issues pre and post retirement. But the sooner you start, the better. It's that it's that curve gets gets uh, gets bigger the, the 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 closer you get to retirement, the older you get. You know, and I'm only thirty six. So I had a tougher paper round than you. <laughs> Those pesky bikes. Yeah, absolutely. Just just picking up on that, I read a piece that said if you if you've got grandchildren and you put in three thousand pound a year into a pension between I think the ages of naught and ten, I think you can. I think that's the maximum you can do. Um, and there's no other contributions to that pension after that point. By the time that grandchild retires, they'll have a pension pot of two and a half million hmm. wow. just from the compound interest from, from 60 years of, of being sat in there. Um, and I think that kind of tells you everything you need to know about how early people should be starting. <laughs> so to all the grandchildren. masterclass there, a parenting masterclass. So to all the grandchildren out there, they're just listening to the show in a different format. Rewind <laughs> 10 seconds and then pull the grandparents' trousers a little bit and tell them that you need some contributions. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great tip. Um, Ali, I touched on one of these sort of implications about planning and thinking you've done it. And you know, I've, I've had situations where I've sat with my clients before and they said, yeah, done all my planning, got my will in place, got my lasting power of attorney. And then you hear, again, some horror stories where people get tripped up around marriages, et cetera. So have you got any sort of other trigger points that you could sort of like highlight with us for our business listeners to think about in terms of, actually, I think I've got it all in place, but actually this could come and trip me up if this circumstance happened to me? Yeah, there's there's several key life events that would really trigger a review of a will or any sort of legal documents that you've got, really. And you mentioned marriage. So that's a really big one, because in this country, weirdly enough, marriage invalidates a will, whereas divorce doesn't, which is strange. Um, but just one of those things. So if someone, for example, was in a cohabiting relationship and they drew up a will through um, a solicitor or will writer, then one of the clauses that we're able to put into a will for a cohabiting couple is something called an in contemplation of marriage clause. So if they marry, 
then brilliant, the will stays valid. But if they just decide not to get married, it gets ignored. So there's no real downside of having having that wording in. So marriage is a really big one. Divorce and separation are huge. So divorce is much more clear cut because although it doesn't invalidate a will, any mention of a previous spouse would mean that it gets ignored. They've um, legally predeceased them, if you like. So they would just get ignored. So as long as there's contingency within the will, children or, or other beneficiaries, then the will would stay valid. Separation's a really important one, though, because legally you're still married. So, of course, in that period, it's a real limbo. So that's a really big one. Um, but also, if you start a business, if your business has grown significantly, if you receive an inheritance, um, if you buy more property, there's so many things. If you have a family fallout, perhaps that would be another reason to um, amend amend your will. So it's really any big big life change that you yourself experience. If you don't think you've had any big life changes, then reviewing your will at least every five years to make sure there haven't been any legislative changes that would affect the way that you've written your will. We've seen a number of those over the last 20 years where people can get caught out by having old clauses in wills. Really good, really good advice. Um, and I'm sure there's lots of people at home and in their office um, going through the filing cabinet very, very quickly to to, to, to look at that, because I'm sure a lot of people haven't done done it within the last five years. So so no, good, good advice. Good advice. Um, Phil, just just bring in the, um, the, the conversation onto, onto yourself. So what, what about startups? So so what if a business is starting up? What can they do at the start that, that I guess, builds the right foundations for, for the kind of things we've been discussing the, this morning later down the line? Yeah, I think I think if you're a startup that, that kind of wants to scale and wants to get bigger and grow to that point where there is inherent value in that business, the the key things are, are kind of processes and systems. If you get those right from the start, then you don't have to kind of bodge your way through and then try and fix them all later. You know, if you spend the time and effort to do that at the start, that'll make a huge difference on the on the value of the business because it means you can scale effectively. Um, Similarly, I think when you're when you're starting up, recruitment is such a such a crucial thing, and getting the right people in, you know, ultimately to get the most value from the business as a business owner, you need to put your ego to one side because actually no one really wants to buy you; they want to buy a successful business that runs without you. Um, so ensuring you've got a really high quality management team, um, which comes down to recruitment and then systems and processes, um, that'll make a huge difference in in the value of, of what you're trying to uh, sell. Fantastic. And uh, you've mentioned a nice little hook for me again to go over to Pete, because uh, Pete, in your introduction, you mentioned that one of the services that you look at, and one of the things I love about what you do is uh, looking at the staff position. So tell us a little bit more about the considerations, business owners, you know, we're talking about later life planning for them as individuals, but how important the staff are and what considerations we should have around the staff. Absolutely. Um, You know, staff are crucial to the, the day-to-day running of the business and in a lot of instances the profitability of that business so you know what do you do to to retain individuals I mean it's a hard enough job to recruit these days but sort of retaining key individuals is 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 also just as tough so what benefits do you provide for your staff um, you know by law you've got to provide a, a workplace pension where both the employee and employer make contributions but how long do you pay somebody if they're off work sick? Do you just look at statutory? And if you do, you know, what's the moral dilemma of not paying somebody and then being on the sort of breadline in effect? So that's, you know, that's, that's a sort of income replacement. What about looking after their family? God forbid something happened to, to them. Uh, so, you know, death in service. 
What about getting them back to work that much quicker uh, and getting private medical insurance in place? There's, there's a range of different benefits that you can put in place that actually most employers think is very expensive, but it's not when you look at it um, because you get sort of group discounts. So the more you can put in place for those individuals will help you recruit and retain those staff. No, re- really good advice. Really good advice. Um, we are going to stay with you, Peter, um, for the third, um, a third tough question of this morning, which is your song choice. So last but not least, what is your song choice and why have you picked it? Okay, so it's a song called Wonderful Day by Alan Clark. Um, when you listen to it, you'll, you'll, you'll see that it's, it's, it's funky. It makes you feel good. and It makes you sing along. What's not to like about a wonderful day? The Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Um, today, um, Mike and I are really pleased to be joined by three experts and um, to really talk about a, a topic who that will impact every single person listening to, to this show. Um, as the certainties in life is that we're all going to pay tax and we're all going to all going to die at some point, unfortunately. Um, so, so Ali, I'm going to bring the conversation um, on onto yourself now and um, continue with this piece um, about kind of big business owners and really. Um, you're running the business. Um, you expect there to be a lot of change um, o- over the coming years. Um, do when when do, when do you review your will? So you've do, do you wait until the life event's happening, or or could somebody talk to you before it happens and talk about talk about I guess kind of the uh, planning it all out? What happens if I do get married? What happens if I do sell the business in the future? What happens if I do this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, whenever we sit down with people, we do a really thorough fact find, which involves looking at the situation now, looking at their plans and ambitions for the future, a little bit like Peter does really with his clients. Um, and also Phil mentioned as well about having five and 10 year plans. So it's really looking forward what, what is likely to happen, what could happen and trying to put as much contingency into the will as it is at the moment. So it's, I always say to people, it's really important to have a valid will now that reflects your wishes as far as you can see now. And then when a life event does happen or something that we've talked about, you know, or a curveball happens, then we'll sit down and review it again. Wills can always be amended. They're not set in stone. They shouldn't be documents that are just locked in a drawer, never to be seen again. They should be reviewed on a regular basis because life does have a habit of throwing curveballs and changes um, all the time, doesn't it? So we can certainly put a lot of contingency in such as things like contemplation of marriage clause and things that... If your business grew to this level, what extra steps would we need to put in? Would you need a separate business executive, for example? Well, let's put that in now. Let's do a separate letter of wishes that sits with the will that documents all the important people that you would need, um, you know, all the suppliers, who your accountant is, who your financial advisor is, all the really important things that can be in a side letter to the will that can be updated really easily um, as their situation changes. So there'd there'd be things that we could do right now um, to help people have documents in place fantastic yeah i'm loving it loving the practicality of all these uh, tips and advice that you guys share much appreciated phil i'm going to come to yourself again it's a, a question is probably a, a piece of string again in terms of what the response may be but one of the res- things i always hear in the network when i'm talking to people is 
well, my business is my pension pot. So I sell my business and I won't need a pension. I'll just rely on that that business. So I'm sure as growth partners, you're helping your businesses to value their business so they truly understand what that pot looks like. So give us a flavor in terms of, or some tips about how businesses out there could get a true valuation of their business rather than just hoping it's going to be enough. Yeah, I think that, again, it is very much how long is a piece of string, how, you know, how much is the value of my business? And actually, ultimately, it comes down to what someone will pay for your business is the value of it. Um, I think a lot of business owners probably overestimate where what their business is worth because of the emotional attachment to it. Um, so I think the, the thing to understand probably most is, is how generally businesses in your industry get valued, um, whether that's a multiple of EBITDA, whether it's looking at multiple uh, monthly recurring revenue multiples, um, because once you know, you know, how it would be valued at, at that point, you can then do the work to try and maximize that valuation. So if it is a multiple of EBITDA, say it's 10 times EBITDA as a, 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 of a kind of three, three year rolling period. What you then know is that for every one pound you can put on the bottom line over the next five years, you'll get 10 pounds back in, in that kind of value. So it really is about understanding how your business would be valued. And again, it's not, you know, it's not necessarily one. A prescriptive formula, but it's not understanding what it could be uh, and then actioning to to maximize that. Um, Peter, something um, that you um, followed on from Phil earlier, um, what was in terms of entrepreneurs tax relief um, and that you could have that big chunk that you then pay inheritance tax on later down the line. So let's let's go with um, Phil's point there. So you sell sell your business um, for, for a big chunk of money. Um, what what can you do with that money? What What are things that you could do? Well, sail into the sunset, first of all, Ben, and enjoy retirement. <laughs> but, um, you know, you'll be paying tax on it. Um, potentially, you know, when you're in business, you get all these tax breaks, which uh, Phil has alluded to. As soon as it comes back into your estate, you know, God forbid uh, you, you, you drop dead the next day, then, you know, huge tax payable through inheritance tax. So there are solutions out there where, um, you can actually reinvest some of the proceeds of the sale, put it into business relief assets, and therefore it's not subject to inheritance tax. So it's just a continuation of, of, of building business relief assets. When you come to that retirement point, you still have access to income and or capital from that. But it's just protecting uh, all the tax breaks uh that that you're entitled to post-retirement fantastic well ali you might want to expand on tax breaks from the work that you do but one of the things i'm pretty curious for you to explain to our listeners today is the, the last in power return as we talked about wills a little bit but the last in power return is I, I believe there's two different types but when would they sort of like kick in from a business owner's po- point of view and why is it why is it important that for them to consider because of again implications yeah, absolutely. So um, you're right, there's two types of power of attorney. There's one that deals with health and welfare, which are decisions about if you lost mental capacity, decisions about where you receive care, what care you receive, um, saying yes or no to medical treatment, yes or no to life-sustaining treatment, really big things, and actually deals with social media as well, weirdly, but um, it's how you're treated as a human being, which is important for everyone, not just business owners. Um, but the one that primarily w- would be of interest to business owners in, in relation to keeping their business running would be the property and financial affairs one. So if, for example, a business owner was um, part of a small family company or um, a sole trader or something of that nature, where probably in the event of them being unable to work, their 
spouse or someone in the family would step in and deal with things, they could have that one document for property and financial affairs, which covers their personal business, personal um, financial planning stuff and their business financial um, situation as well. So you can have just one document and we can put a special clause in to cover um, if you're part, if you're a director in a limited company, I think Pete mentioned this earlier, you're probably very unlikely to want um, your spouse or partner perhaps to come in and, and act as a co-director if you're you losing mental capacity and the other directors perhaps wouldn't want that either. So in those circumstances, we're probably better off sitting down with the, with the company directors themselves to talk about the actual business and what's needed for that particular document, um, naming the other co-directors um, as attorneys to deal specifically with the business itself because it's going to be a specialist thing and again you can have a separate letter of wishes that details lots of you know lots of information about the company and and what would be needed to keep it going in the event of um, lost mental capacity for a company director and when should they be considering that as soon as they start a business because you just never know and if you lose mental capacity particularly a business owner the company bank account where you are a signatory will freeze so even if you've got other directors that potentially could be dealing with the finances, if you deal with it yourself, as soon as the bank know that you've lost capacity, that that will freeze because it's to protect business. Um, and unless there's some kind of deputy ship order in place, which is not going to be easy for a business particularly, um, that's going to cause huge problems with paying suppliers, staff um, and all the other things that keep a business going. You think cash, it's all about cash flow, isn't it? So as soon as you start a business as part of sitting down with your accountant and sorting out your shareholder agreement and sitting down with, you know, someone like Peter and talking about, you know, the financial planning side of it and pensions, you should absolutely 100% be sorting out your power of attorney as well. It's just protecting your business. Um, Ali, you, you lead really nicely into Phil here. Um, so you're, you're, you're helping our job. Um, and, and you, you touched on things in terms of sitting down with an accountant. So things like shareholder agreements. Um, so Phil, can you just give a flavor of some of the things that are in partnerships and in businesses, the kind of things we should be considering? Things like shareholders of agreements, last and bads of attorney, all, all of these things. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of time the, the shareholders agreement gets, gets ignored because a lot of time it will be two friends going into business together and be like, ah, oh, we'll never fall out. It'd be fine. Um, three or four years down the line, they fall out and then there's there's issues because there's no document that tells them what they have to do in those situations. Um, Shell's agreement is actually probably a little bit more legal than, than accountancy in terms of, uh, of what it should have in it. Um, but essentially, it should be a legal document that that says what happens in certain scenarios. So if there's a bad lever, if there's a good lever, you know, what are the provisions in place that just cover the business and the other shareholders uh, in that situation? Um, it's interesting because I think a lot of the time uh, cost uh, is is a reason for not doing these things. People say, "Oh, it'll cost you know a couple of grand to do it." Um, I think it all comes down to priorities. So, you know, people nowadays are more than happy to spend a grand on an iPhone um, when actually a grand on a, a shareholders agreement is a lot better investment in the longer term. Totally agree with that, um, and I I echo what what Ali was saying earlier. You know, I've got um, one of my roles now is supporting which one uh, Headway Oxfordshire and talking to the service users here. You know. The day before their head injury, etc., life was normal, and immediately afterwards it wasn't, and therefore not able to do things like the last and power attorney will changes, etc. So, time in doing things as soon as possible when you don't probably need it. I remember from my bank days, apply for the finance when you don't need it, because when you do need it, it's probably more difficult. So it all resonates through. We love to share a tip on this show. <laughs> Fair play, you three have shared tips throughout this show. So this might be a little bit difficult, but I want to leave the show with you leaving your. Um, 
your best tip, if you like, for our listeners today. So thinking about our theme of wealth and later life planning for business owners, Pete, do you want to kick us off with what your number one tip would be for consideration for our listeners? Yeah, think about planning tax effectively and think about planning uh, all the risks that you see associated with the business, whether that's your share protection, loss of a key individual, looking after your staff or maximising the tax reliefs. Amazing. And Ali, what would be your top tip? I think it's quite basic for me, really. Sit down with a specialist and get your basic documents in place, your will and your power of attorney. Even if you think your situation can change, these documents can be amended at quite a low cost compared to starting it all off. So obviously there's a cost in, in, in the first place, but actually to amend things, it's usually really, um, relatively inexpensive. And at least, you know, if the worst happens, your family and your business are completely protected. Brilliant. And Phil? Uh, I think understand your numbers. Um, we talk in our business about running the business, knowing the business and growing the business. Um, anyone can run a business. It just keeps ticking over. You're not, you know, not, not worried about stuff. But do you know those numbers? Do you know what they mean? And actually, it's then the interpretation of those numbers that will help you grow. So I think just having really clear, accurate financial information that you fully understand um, helps make you make the right decisions as you grow. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, and what a way to end the show. But unfortunately, that is the end of the show. Um, so thank you so much um, to our three guests today uh, for joining us on the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. If you are just tuning in, uh, we have had Peter Yearling of Point to Point Financial Management. We've had Ali Eilat um, of Heritage Estate Planning. And we've had Phil Colmer of Strata. Thank you so much to the three of you for providing just such honest insight to the listeners. Certainly, I hope they had the notepad to make lots of notes. So thank you for that. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Cheers all. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much. And a great demonstration of the guests that we love to have on the show, that they don't come on to the show selling in terms of what they're doing, just sharing their advice. And um, I'm sure you agree we had uh, three more experts with us today on the Business Brunch. So you have been listening to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike here on Get Radio. We're going to be back next Sunday at the usual time of 11 o'clock. And we've got three more guests hopefully going to share some more tips with you around how to select and use the best software for your business. And they're Tim Alt of Oberon, Naomi Co of collaboration and Dan Sparrow of Rapid Indigo. And we're going to be, like I say, talking about that software choice. And finally, that reminder that you can now listen to this show on a podcast format, which comes out each Monday. Um, You can wait for the video to come out on uh, the website or on the Facebook page of Get Radio every Tuesday. Or again, tune in, as I'm sure you do, each uh, Sunday at 11 o'clock with that cup of coffee to the broadcast via the radio. But for now, enjoy the rest of your Sunday and we'll see you next week.